it's more important to have training in, in movement and dance mm -hmm. before starting musical theatre. The lack of boys weren't many people, and so it was just like, you're just going to have to play so-and-so. I think some of those roles a female actor could have played <laughs> quite easily. So it comes from the Greek word kalos, building your body mass by using your body weight. It can be quite opposing muscle-ups, the human flag. Very impressive physiques. I do think it's super useful. Hello everyone Hello. and welcome to Movement Theories. Uh, this has been in the making for a while and it's finally happened. So I'm Josh, I'm going to be your main host and this is... I'm Caitlin. <laughs> and Caitlin is going to be joining us frequently, I'd say, uh, on some of these episodes. So today we're talking about calisthenics. Uh, we're talking about how that benefits dancers, if it benefits dancers. Uh, we're talking about productivity over the summer uh, because we've got quite a few months ahead of us. And um, as a performer, in my mind, I'm like, what should I do to prepare for going to... I'm going to drama school next year. Uh, and then we're going to end with a bit of a debate. And that's how most episodes are going to end. We're going to have to have, to have uh, contrasting opinions uh, on a certain topic. And the topic for today is being or entering the industry as a dancer, or entering the industry as a singer. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's get started. And my name is Joshua Cambridge. I am 18, and next year, well, September, I'm going to Bird College uh, in Sidcup in London. And so I'm going to spend three years there to get a degree, hopefully, in musical theatre and dance. What about yourself? Uh, I'm Caitlin. I'm also 18. Uh, and I am going to train at the Central School of Speech and Drama uh, doing a drama applied theatre and education degree, um, hopefully. <laughs> um, and that's also in London. Um, and... Yeah, it's all very exciting. I am open to all sorts of prospects, you know. Mm. Uh, I'd love to do some presenting. So this is like a really cool opportunity to get to do. Yeah. Now, you're starting a month later than I am. Yes. Which means you've got a month more to, to do true. whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, in this time, we are going, we're going on holiday. We're doing some uh, charity work in uh, Africa. However, the weeks that we do have here, you know, with yeah. working our jobs... Um, what are you going to do to try and stay productive, maybe learn something, uh, do something before you go that once you get there, you think is going to help you out? Well, I've actually managed to squeeze in a whole musical. That is true. <laughs> um, I was in a theatre company for eight years and I thought I'll have a break, you know, mm. before I go to uni, you know, yeah. keep up a few things, but take a break maybe. Um, but I actually ended up... Um, signing up to be in Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> which is one of my absolute favourite musicals. And so when I saw that there was an opportunity to do that, um, yeah. like coming up, I absolutely had to Is it. this your first time in that show? Or have you yes. done it before? Yeah, so I've not been in Little Shop of Horrors before. I mm. originally auditioned for Audrey and the Greek Chorus um, and I ended up playing Crystal, uh, which is one of the Greek chorus so I basically don't leave the stage yeah um but it's an amazing challenge because um I'm singing some ridiculously high notes but also doing lots of very complex kind of small movements mm. that aren't very 
like it wouldn't be considered I mean a, a, like you might know the show but it wouldn't generally be considered a very dancey show yeah um but for the Greek chorus there is a lot of very specific very kind of um complex movement that's all very small and very rhythmic yeah um which is a really difficult challenge to have to do that and sing really high and do all of these things mm-hmm. at once but um it's definitely going to help me progress and is a is a huge challenge so i'm yeah, really excited absolutely. about it can i be a bit of a pain i'm just going to move this one down there for you okay uh, i feel like your mouth is usually more <laughs> of an angle uh, this is our first kind of in-person podcast uh, that we've done and so we're learning on the go with everything yes. but we hope over the next however many episodes we do hopefully it's quite a few yes uh, you'll start to see an improvement in in quality uh, and in uh, you know just um the continuity of yeah. stuff that we're doing keeping yeah. it keeping it at the same level um is there anything else that you think you want to try and achieve? I remember the other day uh, doing a little session with you. Uh, do you want to talk about what that was? Yeah, we did um, a little tumbling we did. session, yeah. which is something that I, I did a little bit of gymnastics when I was younger, nowhere near quite as much as you did. Yeah. Um, but it was something I have always kind of wanted to learn to do, but never had the time or the space. Um, and now... We kind of do. Yeah. And so it's something that I think would really add to my list of things that I can do. And um, it's just quite cool, isn't it? It is very cool. Real cool. Yeah. So I'm teaching you yes. uh, different different tricks uh, and some of the fundamentals of what you need to know to do those tricks. So we've started with handsprings, yeah. forward handsprings. Um, and a lot of that comes from like a pop from the shoulders mm. uh, to kind of like push yourself over. Yeah. And so it's kind of finding exercises that we've kind of we've talked through uh, to do stuff like that. I think general or generally for productivity over the summer, uh, there can be a lot of pressure uh, to like, you know, I've got to do loads, mm. you know. And I think something you've got to be careful with is that you don't burn out. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you know, be like, oh, I'm going to uni and... I need to try and achieve so much. But by the time you get there, you're just really tired. Yeah. You don't have the energy. So I think the most important thing is, you know, give yourself that freedom to say, maybe not today or I'll try that tomorrow. I think you need that balance, don't you, of kind of work and play. And like we've got, I, I would say that we've got quite a nice balance this summer of kind of doing, like we're going, getting to go to Uganda and do some charity work and teaching in schools, which means we can kind of pass on our knowledge of movement and things like that in that kind of way but also mm. then putting our own work in at home like working our jobs because it's going to be expensive yeah. to live in london um but also uh you know we're finding things that we want to do that we enjoy what, absolutely what about you what are you doing over this summer uh so i'm i'm working a job and i'll start fairly full-time mm. i think once we kind of hit peak season of, of the summer um i'm going to uganda which is going to be very exciting. Uh, and for those of you who are watching who know about NYMT, uh, I am on The Boy Who Sailed the Ocean in an Armchair, which is with the National Youth Musical Theatre Company. And so I've done a week with them already, and I've got another two weeks uh, on August, yes. I think it is. Yeah, it is. And we're performing at the Leicester Curve. So if you're interested, you should definitely get some tickets and come watch me uh, because it's, it's going to be great. Very good promo. <laughs> um, yeah. I am very much kind of chorus, kind of back background stuff. But for someone, I've been doing musical theatre for two years now. Mm-hmm. And so 
most of my experience with performing is dance and acro. And so I've found I really enjoy um, being in the kind of the chorus in the background and just getting to do all of the dancing and all of the ensemble stuff, which I think is really fun. I think this is why this debate at the end is going to work because I've been doing musical theatre for 14 years. Yeah, I've been doing it for two. (laughs) Um, And I would say that my strengths lie in more in the singing and Mm. the acting um, and singing is the thing that I feel most confident doing. But I do like to do um, dance and movement and in August I will hopefully have (laughs) an A-level in dance. Yes. Um, However, obviously singing is kind of where my strong point lies. Um, But obviously that's very different for you and we have very different experiences within musical theatre. I think... Um, you know, gender can also play a role in that. Like the things mm. that maybe I've experienced would be quite different yeah. from what you have. And so, um, an I think example of that, yeah. I think, is the lack of boys mm. in theatre at the moment. Mean, men, I, I walked into the company with very limited experience and I was, would you say, handed things because they needed to, like, a part to be in our local theatre company. In a, in, in a local one, yeah, this isn't. You know, it was like there weren't many people and so it was just like you're just going to have to play so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of unfair because I think some of those roles a female actor could have played quite <laughs> easily, like the guard in The Wizard of Oz. You did a very good job. Thank but you. No, I appreciate that. I th- yeah, I don't know. I think that is a real um, interesting thing to discuss in amateur theatre of kind of whether, you know, there are roles that could be played by actors that maybe aren't the traditional gender of yes. the but I feel like that's something we can explore in another episode. I, I definitely that's a bigger conversation. I definitely would like to go in detail <laughs> yeah. uh, onto those topics. Now uh, a lot of this episode, you know, we're talking about things that you can do over the summer. We're doing some macro stuff. Yeah. You know, we've got our summer jobs. Um now as I believe the title of this podcast should say, calisthenics um and its uses uh, in dances, I, I honestly think and I was going to say this now and then I'll explain. I do think it's super useful um, because as a dancer and in theatre in general, you want to be able to move, okay? You want to be able to have complete freedom to, to move your body how you would like to. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of talk through some of the research that we've kind of looked at for calisthenics because uh, it it's really interesting. So as, as it is, it is basically building your body mass by using your body weight. That is the premise. Yeah, it's a nice and basic. That's that's what it is. Now, some some extreme examples, and I think most people, when they look at calisthenics, they see these influencers online doing some crazy, mm. really advanced exercises and skills, you know, such as uh, muscle-ups, the human flag, which I do think is super impressive. Um, but then it can be kind of brought down as simple as just body dips, which you can do on so- sofas. Uh, that's calisthenics. Uh, you know, you're doing bodyweight exercises. Um, and I think it's really useful. I, I, I really do. Uh, but I think because you see the most difficult side of it, it can be quite off-putting to try and train or to try and join in. Um, and I'm starting to see some like more beginner level stuff, um, but not enough. At the moment, I don't think. Um, when you think of, of bodybuilders, okay, bodybuilders, they're doing it to try and grow the size of their muscles. And that's the point of them, point of them exercising, trying to get big, 
can have an impressive body. Powerlifters is just about lifting heavier weights. When we think about, you know, the the limits to your movement and flexibility, it's going to be great because you're not focusing on uh, muscles or or stretching areas uh, that are going to help you move. And so you see, you know, lots of uh, these people who are really built, really strong, very impressive physiques, uh, not have much movement, not have much movement capability. Um, and this is this is seen when they try and do some climbing, for example, and how they really struggle. Um, and I don't think bodybuilding or powerlifting at all is is a bad thing. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I think it's a lifestyle choice. Um, but I think for a dancer, for someone in theatre, calisthenics could be really useful uh, because you're you're using your muscles. The point of the exercises is to be able to get a use out of them. You develop a skill set um, and you improve your body's posture. Um, and like the, the composition of your body. So I do think it's something that's very useful. Now I've got some, some research here. I've gone very much into where it's, where it's come from. Um, so it comes from the Greek word kalos, which stands for beauty, and stenos, which stands for strength, which I think is really nice. I the really beauty, like that. The beauty and strength. And you know what the human body is capable of, it's, it's a very beautiful thing, really, when you think about it. Now, my acrobatic training introduced me to I'd say the basics so lots of the exercises that I would do in acrobatics I have found have crossed over and um, the last week I've decided over the summer the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to do calisthenics workouts alongside with some of the tumbling well um, maybe you should talk a bit about your gymnastics training that you've had yes that's a good your idea experience um, so I did gymnastics for 12 years I started from uh, the age of of four um, and I went up until 16 I think um, it was a really long really long time it was a long period uh, are you okay there Good. <laughs> yeah is it is it not twisting smoothly uh, no it's just hard to get the exact oh I see yeah so this is our cameraman uh, but you're not going to see him. Maybe some BTS Hello. footage. Uh, this is Joseph, Joseph Burren. He's been very helpful. <laughs> He's been He's full named. The <laughs> executive producer uh, on this podcast. Why don't you just tell him my bank number? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my acrobatic training, uh, I did it for 12 years and it was tough. I was spending generally 11 hours a week, but coming up to competitions, I'd come in on an extra day, do an extra like three and a half hours. And so it was really long, but it, it kind of... It's, it's shown me all of the entry-level stuff in calisthenics. And so I, I really got like comfortable using my bodies in weird, uh, my body in weird and wonderful ways. And so I found that as a dancer, I came into dancing year seven. That's when I first started. I've been doing it ever since. And I have a disadvantage in some aspects, uh, in some of the experience and some originally some of the flow, but I had an advantage in some of the things I could do were really, really very impressive. Doing that many hours a week must be, it kind of links back to us talking about burnout because that's, that's yeah. a lot for a young person to do. Even an adult, that's like a lot. Yeah, I have experienced burnout badly twice, mm -hmm. I'd say. Um, and I get it every now and then, like on a smaller scale. Yeah. And it's not something you want. And no. so it's, it's saying over the summer, you want to give yourself yourselves um, these challenges. Mm. Okay. You, you want to be finding something that's going to push you but you don't want to burn yourself out because 
before university, especially if you've just finished your A-levels such as ourselves, that's not going to be nice. It's yeah. not going to be nice at all. Um, so, yeah, more more about calisthenics, some of the things I've found. You know, you're building lean uh, muscle mass. You know, you're getting this toned, uh, very strong physique. Um, and um, I had a look at a study. Oh, very professional. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting study. Let me talk to you about it. So it was by the University of Palermo in Italy. I have really butchered that. I'm <laughs> very sorry. Um, but it was basically about the effects of calisthenics training um, on the intervention on posture, strength and body com uh, composition. So let's have a little look at uh, what I found. So it took 28 men, divided them into two groups. One group practiced calisthenics eight weeks uh, and the other group continued their normal routines, workout routines for those eight weeks. And so that is like a direct comparison of a calisthenics training program and just your normal one. And the control group, yeah. Yes. Um, that's very that's very professional of you. I studied um, sociology. We study yeah, all of yeah. this. Um, and so then after the eight weeks of these two different programs, um, all of the participants underwent a body composition analysis, uh, a postural assessment, a hand grip test, and a press-up and pull-up test. It's something I found with grip is... I'll, I'll talk through some of the workouts that I've been doing and it really it's really tough on the grip because you're just dangling yeah for all of like all of the the pull um uh exercises mm. they're all just like hanging on a pull-up bar doing different different things um so the research discovered that the men who trained calisthenics had improved their posture and lowered their fat mass which I think most people who are interested in exercise, that's what they want. Yeah. You know, they want to lower uh, the, the mass of the fat and also improving your posture and you know, standing, sitting, everything better. Yeah, you want good posture if you're going to be on stage. Yeah, especially if you want to do theatre, which is why I do think it's important. Um, and also the number of press-ups and pull-ups they were able to do had also increased, mm -hmm. um, even though the training didn't actually include those specific exercises. So it was doing exercises around that. Uh, however, in contrast, the other group, you know, just doing normal exercise to control, uh, as you said, uh, who'd done their normal training routines, hadn't really improved on what they could do before the eight weeks had begun and hadn't found a significant difference, which I think is so, so very interesting when you think you're wanting to exercise um, to build muscle, uh, increase mobility and lower fat amount. And in eight weeks, there was a massive difference for the people who chose to do a calisthenics routine, uh, which, you know, I think is really cool. So I'm going to talk about kind of some of my goals that I want over this summer. Um, uh, I don't know them off the top of my head. I had to write them down because I kept on thinking of new things. Yeah. Um, I've lowered them down to four main ones, though. That's good. That I think are the most important so that we won't be here for, for ages. Uh, the L sit, which is basically where you're just... Your hands are on the ground and you lift up your whole body. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that well. I want to do that well. Uh, a muscle up. It's a tough one. Uh, oh, actually, now I've got five. Uh, a front lever. Uh, if you don't know these things, you can Google them. Uh, a front lever, the human flag and handstand push-ups. You've made yourself accountable now that you've said this like on camera. Yeah. It's, it's recorded now, you know? 
So in yeah. three months, in yeah. three months, we'll come back and we'll see how many of those I've achieved. Exactly that. You've you're you're accountable for it now. You've got yeah. however many people are watching this to go. But we'll see. This will be a test happen. to see if what I've been talking about is um, actually useful or not, or if I'm just waffling. Well, that's good. Um, but uh, the pull the pull day, as I've, I've said, it focuses on hanging. Uh, push is very much your in front support, doing loads of different. Uh, press up variations or different mm-hmm. downward dog techniques and strengthening the different muscles um, and then the leg very traditional hip mobility um, general leg strength there's a thing called an eccentric pistol squat Ooh, now what a name now let me explain what an eccentric pistol squat is it's basically you stand on one leg okay and you have your other leg out and you just squat down on that one leg all the oh, way to the oh I've tried to do that and then all the way back up and they are tough yeah they are tough I can do Maybe a couple, but I, I, I can't like... It was a out. TikTok trend for a while, I'm pretty sure. Oh, was it? Yeah. Damn. I, you know, something I found, TikTok trends on the whole, like 80% of the time, Yeah. I'm a little bit like, what are you doing? Yeah. But there are 20% of them that I go, that's actually really useful because you're well, trying... Well, that's what, that's what the, the algorithm's for, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one at the moment, um, this big creator, and it's basically the song uh, Macaba. Yes. Um, and he basically runs into the shot, goes like this, goes like that with his body, <laughs> and then goes like this. And that's the video. And he's posted like 20 of them with different creators. Yeah. And and that's about it. Like how How is that a trend? You're not doing anything. You're not dancing. <laughs> you know, I, I find sometimes when someone's not really providing much value, it just gets a little bit like, come on. And actually, you can see most of the comments are just like... Yeah, this is a bit overused now. Ooh. And if your comment section is turning uh, away from you, then that's not good. Uh, on the on the kind of the topic of comments, if you've got this far, thank you very much. Uh, feel free to comment because we want to know what you think about what you've listened to so far. Definitely. What you're going to continue to listen to if you if you stay on here. If you've got any ideas, what we should yeah. talk about. Yeah, so feel free, comment your thoughts. Make sure you like the video. So we want to know who actually is engaging and thinking it's thinking it's good. And you can dislike as well. I can tell both metrics and both are important metrics. Um, but you don't mainly, hear that very often. <laughs> but they are important though, because you get to see what people think. True. Um, and it's still engagement. And uh, subscribe. I think that's very important. You'll get these recommended to you much more. I think I am... And put the notification... Ah, yes, I forgot about that. Notification bell. That's an important one. That's an important I one. am the crux of YouTube. Like, you can tell me off of this, but I'm... I'm really bad at subscribing to things. I rely on my recommended page. Don't be like Kate. Don't do what I do. Don't be like Kate. Because I, I just rely on my recommended, which is, yeah. it, it's not good. I, yeah. I'm i going to have to fix that. Yeah. It's a toxic trait. Um, now, I haven't completely clickbaited you. The title should be about uh, a dancer and calisthenics. I'm going to talk to you about some other benefits of being a dancer doing this. Um, something I found is the things that are really working because they're not muscles or they're not areas that I train a lot are my wrists. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a massive one. I'm finding those uh, have getting a proper a strain on them. Yeah. Um, but also my elbows and my shoulders. When you do calisthenics, you're training your wrists, yes. your shoulders and your elbows. And that really helps with kind of like the pushing motion. Yeah. Uh, which isn't something that I don't think people in dance focus on. Mm. And so, for example, just a roll on the floor and then using your hands to push yourself out of it. I've seen some slow versions of that. Yeah. Um, and I think doing calisthenics can really help that the flow to really be sped up and be very mm. useful and just making the performance as a whole just a bit more a bit more smooth uh, moving with ease yeah i think is kind of the important thing so we've decided that we're going to end each of our episodes with a bit of a debate and i think that's going to be really interesting yeah. and every time we're going to have 
very uh, opposite or the opposite viewpoint yeah. on a particular subject. I think it might be quite fun to introduce uh, into this lovely mug here. We'll put in uh, opinions on things. And so at random we pick out. And so we know that the next episode, whatever the topic is that gets mm-hmm. decided, I have to be for, you have to be against, okay. for example. I like um, that. That's a good idea. Which is going to be interesting. But for now... Uh, we've said I am going to be saying why it's better to enter the industry as a dancer and you're going to say as a singer as a singer as a singer um, this isn't necessarily true maybe it's good to be a bit of a yeah. no I, I would give a disclaimer of the fact that like there is obviously a happy median and, and yes. somewhere in between this but that this is wouldn't be as exciting to talk about <laughs> this is for entertainment purposes purposes only yeah uh, do you want to start I feel like you've been very prepared yeah, I've come with my like for this little notepad of notes. Very exciting. Um, well, basically, I've I've got you know sources, links, all of it. Um, wow. So I looked up on lastminute30tickets.com, <laughs> uh, and it says musical theatre performers, as a rule, need to be well versed in all aspects of live performance. But singing and acting are the backbone to a musical theatre show. And this is a quote, dancing is an additional treat, not a, not a necessity, which mm. is a controversial statement in itself, you know. Um, but I think it's a very interesting point. Um, there was, uh, I think it was on Broadway World that said singing, it was at one of the discussion boards and it was like singing is acting. Like you can't sing I mean, you can sing without acting, but in musical theatre, you can't really sing without acting. Mm-hmm. And singing okay. is just a monologue to music, isn't it, really? Um, or a yes. duologue, or, you know, dependent on or the song that you're singing. Um, but I think, but personally, I think music has such a big influence on the emotion or the tone of a performance. And obviously you dance to music most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the lyrics behind that can really dependent on where they fall in the music and how, you know, that acted and performed. It can have such a huge impact on the audience. You know, things like Dear Evan Hansen, you know, you wouldn't think of as a dancey musical. There's like not really dance yeah. in it. There's movement, but not dance. Like I love walking. And so we're things. saying it's an important, you're saying it's an important. I'm saying that singing is. Or the most important part. Uh, well, on all honesty, I think acting is a foundation, isn't it, really? Because mm-hmm. sure. acting is... It's theatre, musical theatre. Exactly, is, it's acting. Theater. But singing, I think, assists acting the best because yeah. it, it. I think putting music behind those words gives it even more emphasis. And I don't think... I, I really... I think mus- some musicals are really... You can enjoy them, but it's difficult when a song is just plopped in there for, like, the fun of it um but i think when you use that song to push along the storyline and convey these characters emotions it can be really impactful and really uh, beneficial to the storyline yeah and i think in some ways you can argue the same with dance it's like oh you're not arguing maybe i'm arguing maybe you can work that in but i feel like dance dance breaks quite easily just put in for no reason I think I I do think it's more important to have training in in movement and dance mm. before starting musical theatre. Uh, and my reasoning is anyone can sing, okay. Ooh, so when, I, when I'm bold thinking, statements. When I'm thinking, like so many people from our secondary school, uh. for example, are good singers. 
Yeah. Yeah. They haven't necessarily had lots of training, but like their voice naturally, they've got a good voice. But could they dance? No, they'd need to be trained to dance. See, I'd argue that you can teach anyone to dance, but you can't teach anyone to sing. You can teach everyone to sing. No, because... For sure. Right. Uh, listen, I I have taught singing lessons. I really, I I've like... taught dance lessons. Yes, I've also taught dance lessons. But I think that singing, uh, singing is something that, like, you can give it your best shot. And I think you can really improve. If you've got, you can sing a nice, as long as you can sing to a tune... You can sing and you can teach and you can evolve. And, you know, I'm not saying if you want to learn to sing, don't give up. Please try and please find a singing teacher or find things online where you can practice because it's one of the best things. But I think if someone is truly tone deaf, you can't teach them to sing. If I don't know if that's the right word. If someone is truly can't match pitch... Hmm. Now, if you play a note and they sing something completely opposite, I think I can be so, trained though. See, I think because you're you're saying like it's, it's so, so infuriating much. or it's so so difficult, but just spend time teaching that person just how to. Yeah. I I have and I will, and the people I've taught have been absolutely incredible. Um, but I think to or slating his little kids. No, Joshua, <laughs> don't make me sound like that. If you if I think there is a, I it kind of sounds bad, but I think to a certain extent. It takes it takes a slight musical ear to be able to hear a note and then sing it back to you, and mm-hmm. I, that might come naturally to you or me. But but is that not the same for a dancer? You've got to be able to react to the music that you're hearing. You've got to be able to dance, and whether you're in time with the music, if you can't sing mm-hmm. in time with a song, how are you going to dance in time? That's a good point. You know, That's I feel like point. those go quite quite hand in hand. Rhythm is something you need Gen- for both. Generally speaking, I think anyone with enough time, patience, dedication, mm-hmm. can learn how to dance, can learn how to sing. Yeah. Right? No, I completely I've agree. I've been singing for three years, like, lessons now. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a great singer, but I can hold myself. Mm-hmm. I hold my own. You've been singing for, for... A long time. A long, long time. <laughs> you know, like, your time spent singing is like my time spent doing movement and yeah. dance and stuff. Well, I that's what I mean is, when I'm arguing this, I don't mean it, like... <laughs> that like I'm just saying these opinions so we have something to argue about yes of course I I love teaching people to sing and I love music and yeah. one of my favourite things is to um, we did a concert recently with loads of primary schools and hearing them all sing is just I think music should be introduced to everyone's lives oh sure but um, then I think that goes with dancing you know true. the music for songs the music for dance yeah. so I don't think um, it's like uh, everyone uh, everyone can't do this or everyone can do this. I think yeah, you, no, everyone can be taught how to. But I think it's easier for people with no experience to be able to hold their own in a song. Like, a, there would be a select few, but the, the people I've seen in college who can sing really well and don't really have much training, they could go on to uh, a Western show, they could kind of sing a song, but they couldn't do any of the movement. Oh, See, I disagree with that. I think... If you look at musical theatre shows, to sing some of those songs well is really tough. Some of the some of the really difficult ones. Even if you're not if even you're, chorus. If you're not trained, I think there is. Is there not a lot of I people who are in the industry without, without training though? You can go into it without training, but without without if you picked some random person that could sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star nice and go, okay, now you're going to perform in a West End show. I. D- I think it's such a different kind of thing and uh, there are people without training that are incredible like Kara Hope Fletcher like Jamie Muscato like these incredible incredible performers 
Um, and I'm not saying it's not training, but I'm saying that you you can't... I don't think you can just pick any... Tom, Dick or Harry to come and like sing on a West End stage. And I think we proved that because I've got, I would really like to talk about stunt casting because I've written down about an example of this. Okay. Um, in, there will be people out there who know what I mean. Um, in America on Broadway, a couple of years ago, they cast Cameron Dallas in Mean Girls on Broadway as um, uh, Aaron Samuels who is like the love interest and um he's known for being an actor and what do you mean by stunt casting so stunt casting for anyone that doesn't know is um when they cast so a a show on the west end or on broadway might cast a famous person who is not like might be a musical theater might be an actor might not be someone you expect to see on stage in a musical, which oh. will then give them more, so, like, more, it'll attract people. Correct so, me on this. Would uh-huh. an example be, as a Star Wars fan here, um, Mandalorian season three, Lizzo turned up at some point and was just a star for the episode. Uh, would that be stunt casting? It would be slightly... Because they're not an actor or an actress, they're, they're a singer. It would be slightly different in musical theatre context, but it would be a relatable example if you mm. didn't know. But, for example, Joe Sugg was cast in Waitress a few years ago. Um, and he's not known for being in musical theatre and actor. Like, he yeah. was a, a kind of influencer first. And yeah, then content creator. they cast him in that. And he was great. And I think uh, Colleen Ballinger was in... Uh, she was also in Waitress. Um, and they've cast people like Oreo Duba and um, all sorts of, like, celebrities that they put into shows to try and attract more audiences if the show's like maybe not doing as well or not you know making enough money whatever um but stunt casting is a controversial topic as it is because because there are actors and performers um you know graduates who have worked their entire lives yeah. to get on a west end stage and then there's these people that aren't trained or not it's that's you've pointed that out and that's a bad word to use but who aren't any what in the musical theatre sphere. classically trained? Even that, like, you'd argue that uh, Carrie Fletcher didn't go to drama school, so she wouldn't be considered classically trained. She had experience, mm-hmm. but she wasn't... But don't people use her name and her big following mm-hmm. to attract audiences in that same way? Yes, but she wouldn't... I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, she would be considered a stunt casting because she is a musical, is a musical theatre performer. performer, whereas mm. um, someone like Joe Sugg is completely out of that sphere. And so mm. there are going to be hundreds of people that have all have auditioned for that one part, but he's been given it yeah. because... And he did an amazing job from things that I've heard and clips that I've watched and things. But it, he's not a trained musical theatre performer and the people who are in that kind of fandom and musical theatre sphere I remember there being a bit of upset because that's not you know what they're trained to do I can see that there's upset however I want to highlight that you said you know from what you've heard and clips that you've seen that he's done a good job Mm -hmm. okay Um, he couldn't go into the ensemble of that show and do a big dance thing it's very true but he has gone in and he's done the acting and a singing singing role he hasn't had as much training in that doesn't need as training but if he wanted to go into the industry and where most of the jobs are what like 60 to 80 mm-hmm. percent is an ensemble stuff you're going to need to be able to move yeah. and to dance you know technically because your voice isn't being you know isolated 
in a solo, mm-hmm. you don't need to sound perfect. Yeah. And I definitely don't have a perfect voice, but I've got a great voice for ensemble because mm-hmm. I can carry a note um, and I can really boost the baritone part that yeah. I sing. Well, actually, that's interesting you say that because I did look up, I did do a bit of research on that. And I see, you know, what you mean by that. And I kind of looked into that a little bit. And um, the fact that, you know, you can't just go into an ensemble. And there is there are things out there that say, you know, um, if you were in an ensemble cast like Grease, Footloose, that kind of thing, um, you need a strong enough voice to carry the harmonies, to yeah. sing whilst doing all of that incredibly complex and like physical movement. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't need to be like as perfect. But then I I don't have these percentages, but if you could look at the shows on the West End or on Broadway or on tour right now, uh, you could maybe look into, it would be interesting to see how many of them are dancey shows and how many are not. Because for example, if you, I think honestly, this whole debate is what kind of shows you you know, you, we look at uh, typecasting and things and what kind of shows you're suitable for because our kind of shows, so there's probably a bit of overlap, but mm. we would be cast in very different things because, yes. for example, shows like Les Mis, I don't need to be able to, you know, mm. do half the things that you might want to do in Chorus Line. Like, I, you, Les Mis, a lot of it, you can park and bark if you're going to play, especially principals. Like, you just act and sing and that's the kind of focus of the whole thing and I think big dance numbers would just take away from that Um, and shows you know like Bonnie and Clyde um, like Into the Woods like don't have that much dance or there's like bits of movement but I wouldn't say none of it's like big showy dance numbers but you know it depends on the show yeah it depends on the show West End Live and the shows we saw at West End Live and um this year and how some of them were really quite dancey, like 42nd Street. You'd need to be an incredible tapper to be in 42nd yes. Street. But um, those people that like those hundreds of actors are less, I mean, are less likely to be placed against those people who would consider themselves singer actors mm. because they, they're going to go for those different types of roles. So you could argue that, um, actually we're relatively equal because it's different kinds of jobs that we're going for because if you're a singer actor um there are a lot of roles that like principal style roles that you could play Mm. that you don't need to dance loads for like wednesday adams like uh i don't know dorothy and the wizard of oz like there are uh, eponine loads of them but um you know maybe things like crazy for you or 42nd street or footloose like there's loads of them that you would need a strong voice yeah but also a strong dance capability so i guess my end question Mm -hmm. for you is when we're thinking about and maybe it would be good to find uh, an actual statistic on this yes but how much training you need to go into west end into a singer actor role Mm -hmm. and how much like you need under your belt and if some of that can just be from just raw talent mm. compared to how much training you need to go into these big ensemble chorus crazy yeah. physical dance i think the uh, amount of if you go and watch shows like this if we're lucky enough to go and be able to do that 
you can so appreciate the amount of effort and work that these incredible ensembles put in. And mm. I think it's really sad that the there is often a viewpoint among amateur theatre that like being in the ensemble isn't good enough, like and everyone wants to be a principal because these ensemble moments are like some of the highlights. Like if you go and watch Newsies, the thing you leave thinking about is, is the ensemble. Is the dancing and yeah, the ensemble. Sure, sure. Like I mean the principles are incredible and the songs are beautiful. But it is the like takeaway that's why it's won the Olivier for best choreography. Yeah. Because it the the dance is the choreography something is insane. else. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I think I think it depends on the role. I think acting will always come first out of the three. Um because it's it it's You've got to act and everything. You know, exactly. You can't perform a musical theatre show yeah. if you had no face if you didn't have a story to tell, yeah. if, you know, and singing and dancing are just like the the icing on the cake, the like glamour to it, because mm. that, you know, you watch plays and things and a lot of them add influences of, you know, bits of music or movement and things like that. Uh, maybe like examples of Frantic Assembly or Caucasian Chalk Circle, like have bits of those. But um, I think the foundation is acting and performance and then cool. you put on top of that the singing and dancing so i guess we could say that from this mm-hmm. uh we've so su- su- affirmed also like secured the facts that acting is the most important yeah everything else is beneath yes being an actor i think oh but then again i d- debate that because you've got to act in every element yeah of it it's true. I think everyone's got... You've got to be able to act, but it's not beneath. Because... I don't okay. like the word beneath. Beneath maybe is not the correct word. But I came into our local company. Yeah. I had some singing ability. I had some dancing ability. But I'd never put them with acting. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to put me on stage with just the singing and dancing stuff yeah. I was doing. Because I wasn't telling any stories. And so that was drilled into me through the choreographer and director. And, yeah. And which I thought was really helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a nice. I think so, and but let us know if you disagree. Yeah, um, and I know some of those statements were probably quite bold, but yeah. remember, oh, it's for entertainment purposes, we yeah. don't want to get cancelled. We we want to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, on let it, us so know. do comment that. Yeah, uh, and our socials, we have a TikTok, we have an Instagram, and it's all Movement Theories MTP. Um, perhaps uh, <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. If we can edit, that. but yes, yeah. Movement Theories MTP, and. If it's not on screen right now, we'll put it in the description. Yeah. Or uh, link it somewhere. Well, thank you very much thank for listening. Much. And if you have, uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, do let it be known that you've got to this point. Do comment something. We'd like to know who has been interested. Uh, if this is something that you've really liked, then absolutely, we'd love it if you shared it with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, we also will be posting these on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And so we'd love it if you go over there and download it and you could if you've only listened to the beginning or actually how have they only listened to the beginning part and and reached this part of the podcast maybe they just skipped through the debate maybe (laughs) they didn't enjoy it um but thank you guys for watching this has been episode one and uh, we've been josh and caitlin we've been josh and caitlin (laughs) leave your suggestions down below and And lovely cameraman cameraman, joe thank you joseph for all the audio listeners out there okay joe the cameraman (laughs) we'll see you next week (laughs) thank you thank you bye Nice one.